Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. On this week's program, we're remembering Tom Pollock, Ivan Reitman's producing partner of Montecito Pictures, who died at the age of 77. We'll also be talking about some of the uh, Ghostbusters afterlife news. Yes, there is indeed some for us to be talking about. Uh, a few leaks, and we're going to kind of talk about what that might mean for the March release date. Video on demand might be changing. Who knows? Here, us try to speculate as best we possibly can. This week on the show, get ready. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! I'm like the guy in uh, was a Fifth Element. It's like nice hat. You like it? Uh, I'm, 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 this is fantastic because then you can be on the opposite polar end of this spectrum where I'm just like I. Right. I'm surprised the words are coming out of my mouth whole at this point. Um, <laughs> let's let's get into it. Yeah. What do you uh, want to start? What do you want to do? I don't, let's go. Let's talk Ghostbusters stuff. That's what this is. Oh, it's a oh, podcast about Ghostbusters. Hey, stuff. we get, uh, we actually have enough that might constitute a Ghostbusters 2020 uh, section. I I think so. I think so. So. I I think you know we'll uh, we'll get into some news um, and uh, yeah I mean I, I, it's it's kind of a it seems like a thin news week but at the same time you know there is one person that we're going to pay tribute to which there's a good chunk of uh, discussion here and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah some 2020 stuff that kind of opens up a huge conversation point so I I would I, let's just get into it here we go with the news. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Cue coffee sound for. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Good to the last drop. Good to the last drop. Can I have another place? Wait, guys. <laughs> Um, well, hey, uh, a good moment of levity there to uh, to help kind of lead into something sad, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those things that um, I believe that he was not in the greatest of health to begin with, so not entirely surprising, but uh, uh, unfortunately reporting that uh, Tom Pollock, who uh, may not be a name familiar to you, uh, the listeners out there in, in Ghostbusters land, but uh, was somebody who was well-regarded in Hollywood and well-known uh, around these parts, um, but also was a a key creative partner at Montecito Pictures and uh, Ghost Corps um, and mm-hmm. had just been uh, working on three films uh, with, you know, uh, Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters Afterlife and uh, a couple films that they're working on right now that are, are coming out uh, later this year and next year. Um, so he, he was very active, very uh, involved in, in the day-to-day process and um, very, um, I was, I was kind of shocked by it when I saw the news uh, happen. He, he passed away on uh, August 1st at the age of 77. And, 
um, it, again, it was one of those where it just, it, it, it seemed like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh, that oh, Tom Pollock. No, no, that can't be. It just, uh, it was very quick, very sudden and, um, and very sad, but, uh, I don't, Chris, were you familiar with Tom before this? Was, was his name familiar to no. you at all? No, he was, um, I, I don't think in the traditional sense he was a silent partner, but he was just really not, you know, kind of the face of, of Montecito. And, and, uh, and I kind of wish, I kind of wish he, 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 uh, I knew more about him because yeah. in retrospect, I would guarantee he was probably uh, a, a big part of that whole deal, Ghostbusters deal restructuring with Sony, right? That led to Ghost Corps. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure, 100%, yeah. Um, so uh, I so, kind of found out too late, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, um, you know, my the short time that I've been in Hollywood, uh, my, my take on it is that every good sort of um, – director or, or producer or somebody, somebody that you know by name, a Steven Spielberg, a Ron uh, Howard, uh, Ivan Reitman, um, they, they all have a producing partner partner who is sort of like their unsung hero. They're, they're the rhythm guitarist in the band who, um, you know, you, you don't know anybody beyond the lead singer and maybe the drummer, and that's about it. You don't know who that, that rhythm guitarist is, who really is kind of the, the key driving force to everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, Ron, Ron Howard has Brian Grazer. Brian Grazer is kind of an outlier because a lot of people know Brian Grazer, but, uh, you know, uh, Harold Ramis had Trevor Albert who, um, uh, I, I admire and, and has been a great mentor to me. And so, uh, it, it's very sad, but, uh, Ivan Reitman wrote a wonderful, um, not even an, an obituary or an article, but just sort of a, a memoir, uh, in Vanity Fair that I thought for those of you who are not familiar with Tom Pollock, uh, this very well sums it up because Tom is kind of one of those people that is a key figure. He's that that person that was sort of the linchpin in about 12 to 15 of your favorite movies and you just didn't know it. Um, so uh, it's, it's a very short article. I'll just read it really quickly here. So this was uh, by Ivan Reitman in Vanity Fair. He says, Tom Pollock was not a household name, but as a Hollywood lawyer, studio executive, and academic, he helped shepherd films that are known the world over. Filmmaker and producer Ivan Reitman remembers his friend and collaborator who died on Saturday at age 77. This is Ivan now. In 1976, I met a hippie lawyer from Ojai, California named Tom Pollock. I was trying to produce a supposedly unmakeable comedy called Animal House. He was unlike any attorney I'd ever met. For one thing, he had a genuine, deep sense of fairness, morality, and integrity. He also never wore socks. We don't talk a lot about lawyers, and we certainly don't say many nice things when we do. But then again, most lawyers don't end up running universal pictures and green lighting do the right thing when the rest of the business wouldn't give Spike Lee the time of day. Most lawyers don't start their journey at the American Film Institute and wind up chairing the entire program. His first clients were film students. Rather than charge them unaffordable fees, he took a 5% interest in their future. An investment. This is now industry standard. It was Tom Pollock's idea. Most lawyers don't read scripts, let alone offer notes, and hey, maybe that's a good thing. After all, however, Tom genuinely loved filmmakers and filmmaking. He cared deeply about their inherent stories and characters, a kind of passion that led to an almost Buddhist approach to pliable negotiations. You know that deal where George Lucas got to keep, the, uh, keep control of the rights to Star Wars toys and all of the sequels? That was Tom Pollock. 
During his tenure as the chairman of Universal, he brought Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, and myself under one roof. It was an unprecedented run, including films like Jurassic Park and Apollo 13, as well as inevitably uh, enviably daring choices like The Last Temptation of Christ and Schindler's List. After 10 years running a studio, when offered the traditional golden parachute of a producing deal with a fancy little bungalow and an expense account at the studio dining room, he turned it down. Instead, he chose to teach. He offered a cinema class of his own invention to the students of University of California, Santa Barbara, that attempted to explain the kind of movies that came out of Hollywood. The name of that class? What were they thinking? (laughs) He eventually came back to filmmaking as my producing partner for the last 20 years. Together, we launched the careers of directors like Todd Phillips, went to the Oscars a couple of times, and even started making Ghostbusters movies again. My heart aches today for the loss of my attorney, my studio head, my producing partner, and my dear friend of 45 years. He was not taken by COVID, but he was taken nonetheless and faster than I can fathom. It's a sad day, but perhaps a good day to watch a film made possible by Tom Pollock. So what a, a great write up there. Uh, one key thing that he forgot was because he was uh, responsible for bringing Robert Zemeckis to Universal, uh, Tom was a key figure in Back to the Future as well. Mm. Back to the Future would not have happened without Tom Pollock. So um, it's just, he's one of those names that you just, you, you don't know. And that's kind of the way that I think Tom Pollock liked it. Based based mm-hmm. upon Ivan Reitman's write up there, the dude didn't wear socks. He was kind of a, a hippie from Ohio. Loved the the beach. Uh, he loved baseball and football and and watching sports. And he didn't care if he was like that household name, which is uh, kind of kind of cool. I like I like those types of people in Hollywood. <laughs> um, He's got a heck of a, a list uh, of movies to his name for somebody that just kind of entered the game in two thousand. I, yeah, I mean, and again, you know, running, running a studio, especially Universal Pictures, um, it's kind of a thankless job. Um, it's like being a, a, a manager or a general manager of a, a football team that's not doing well or, or maybe is doing well and then stops doing well. <laughs> and it's like the first, yeah. per, first person who gets fired is, is that, uh, that president of the studio. But, um, so, so Chris, I thought what we would do, um, it's kind of hard for us to talk about him, but there is one thing uh, that I wanted to play here. It's an excerpt from um, a panel that was done at uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara, which Ivan mentioned, uh, you know, Tom was a chair there and and had his own classes. But uh, this comes from about the time that draft day was released. Uh, So 2015, 14, somewhere around there. 2014. 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, it, it is still a favorite of mine. You know, I will take any excuse to watch filmmakers up on a stage uh, talking about their their films. Um, and this particular one had Ivan Reitman, Tom Pollock, and Joe Medjuk. Uh Joe uh, should not be a stranger to Ghostbusters fans either. Key key person in Ghostbusters. Um, and they were talking about Draft Day. And the the excerpt that I want to play for you guys, and then we'll come back and we can talk happy things and news. Uh, is uh, I think it is indicative of who I think Tom Pollock was. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but um, I got a good sense of his character because uh, somebody in the crowd asks a question that I have wondered about for years. Um, on draft day, especially in football, 
Um, there's all these things happening so quickly. There's a, a call uh, to this this organization, and we're going to offer you these five players for that one player, or we're going to draft this guy, but we're going to give them to you, uh, and we want these five players plus ten thousand um, dollars. And it all happens so fast. But there's no lawyers involved. There's never a lawyer who is referenced. They're not papering anything. They're not putting anything into a contract. Um, and because this is the kind of thing that lawyers probably usually want to get their hands on, uh, somebody in the audience asked, hey, did you guys investigate that? And and Tom Pollock had the answer. So I'm going to let them talk. This is Ivan, Tom, and Joe Medjuk uh, talking about drafting. Though, that's excellent news. <laughs> um, so... I mean, how, how accurate is the depiction of that draft room in that day? I mean, how, how authentic is it? How much, what was the research you did to get it to the point where um, we have a sense that we're really in a room where this is happening? Well, the Cleveland Browns were incredibly cooperative. Uh, the slight hitch was their headquarters was actually gonna be about to go into reconstruction after the first time Ivan saw it. So nevertheless, when he drives up, that's the Rio headquarters. When he walks in, it is the field house uh, where they have the party and where he talks to Vontae Mack on the phone is their real field house. And the um, field they practice on is their practice field. But partly because of the reconstruction and also because, as Ivan pointed out, whether they're under reconstruction or not, they probably didn't want us you know, in there for 30 days. So we then rebuilt an approximation of their offices and, and the war room especially. You went into, right, and went to the war room and saw what it was like. And then we, it's at a, the war room and Sonny's office and the area around the office is at a community college somewhere on the outskirts of Cleveland. And did you, did you also... Well, that's accurate. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's did you spend time um, with them in the war room while they were going through, undergoing the process of the draft or...? Did you watch that? We were shooting when they were in the draft. We oh. were in Radio City Music Hall. Um, so the extraordinary thing that, uh, that we were allowed to do by the NFL is that, frankly, I had my own crew plus ESPN and the NFL networks. Their footage uh, all came to us. Uh, and I was able to move my uh, actors through what was really going on. Uh, Kevin Dunn sits right at the table, and he's there during the first round. And I, we asked all the people at the team tables, the 32 team tables that are at the front of Radio City Music Hall to come back the next day. When I was able to do close-ups and coverage, uh, I wanted to make sure they wore the same sh you know, shirts and ties and jackets so that they would match themselves from the first night where they played. So uh, the, the real complexity of shooting at Radio City was it was their show, not ours. There was 4,000 people there at nights. And they also, so they allowed us to shoot at nights. We had to shoot outside part of the time at nights. Uh, we shot during the day where we shot ESPN and NFL. And we just filled all that stuff in. And we also got the green room, the real green room, full of the real people who were being drafted that first night. Green room is actually right on stage. It's behind all the set. And they set up about 10 or 20 tables for the 20 invited draftees and their families. And that's an... That's actually where the action is. That's a remarkable place. And we try to recreate some of that feeling, both with documentary footage of what was going on that first night with the real people and then recreating it in the next couple of afternoons where I had a certain number of hours. If you listen carefully, you can actually hear the, because I think the next day the draft begins at around 4 o'clock or noon. And it's going on. It's, it's just not as fancy. And there's music playing. And we're, we're just filming all through that. 
we could not have made this movie without the active uh, cooperation and participation of the NFL. Obviously, without, without them, you don't get to use the real names of the teams. You don't get, it, we, we couldn't have made the movie with any sense of reality at all. And uh, they were awesome. Uh, to allow it, actually. I mean, how hard was it to, to get them to agree? Was it, uh, was it a, a, a roller coaster ride, or was it, it relatively it, straightforward? It was a long process, but it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, they take their time in doing it, but it wasn't hard. It wasn't like there were insurmountable barriers. They, they wanted approvals to make sure that things weren't, you know, that we didn't do any bad things, but we didn't. We weren't, you know, we were making a movie, quite frankly, that, that, really lets the audience in behind the scenes of what really goes on. Uh, they're excited about it, and to the extent that we are able to do any business overseas, that, that helps them. They sure. would like to export the game of football abroad. They're, they have, they're one of the great brands of America, and they're a, a marketing behemoth. They know exactly what they're doing, and it wasn't by accident that they, that they went along with us, including Roger Goodell, obviously, who yeah. agreed to be, <laughs> to be on screen announcing our picks as well as uh, uh, the picks. Uh, that, that they liked the script. Yeah. I mean, it starts with I mean, the script. Great. And as uh, yeah. soon as they read it, they knew this was something they wanted to be involved with, and they just wanted us to be accurate. That was really most of the work. Look, I could continue to ask questions all afternoon, but I'd rather turn it to, uh, to the audience. Could, Let's start right here, I guess. Oh. Um, uh, first of all, the, the viewing experience at the Pollock Theater was gorgeous. And Thank you. I had never, <laughs> never seen anything like it. It's like a big 4K TV up there. It's beautiful. So thank you. And I see a lot of movies. This was a perfect movie. There wasn't a false note in it. I loved it. Every twist and turn was beautiful. I just went with the whole thing. I don't know what you're going to make with it, but it was a great, great movie. It was just perfect. Thank you. That's a really good question. I was going to say the best question you could have. <laughs> our, our answer to that question is yes. <laughs> Joe Palladino. So a ringer. could you talk a little about the editing? Because a lot of the dramas, phone conversations that were going on, I stole my brother's question, sorry. There are people in other rooms, but you're bringing them together through editing. So was that some from the script or just a discovery out of what you were doing? Uh, are, you, are you speaking about the split screens? Yeah. The, well, one of the that problems... Joe Palladino. Hi, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the real problems of the script was, and it's the truth of uh, draft A and draft week is it's all on the telephone. You know, I, uh, most people think, oh, the draft happens right there in Radio City. Uh, it's a television show, but it's not. It's, it's all this drama going on in 32 cities and 32 war rooms and all the last minute negotiations, and there's quite a lot of it. Uh, we probably packed more into one day what usually happens in three or four days, but all that stuff really does happen in much the way we we showed it, but it's virtually all of it is on the telephone. And so I think there's something like 16 telephone calls in the movie. And I said, it's going to be a very dull looking movie if I just, uh, even if I play traditional split screen, I didn't think that was going to be very interesting. And um, even uh, just as we started shooting, um, I hired uh, two people who had actually done the credits for uh, 
Our up son's uh, Jason's movies. Up in the air. Uh, he did it up in the air. He did Juno. He's, they're very well known for doing these very clever um, uh, digital ideas for the credits. And I, I said, look, I'm going to be doing these split screens. Let's see what we can do with it, how we can play with it. So I knew we had to play with it somehow. And uh, because of really di digital technology, we were able to pull people out of their own backgrounds and, um, and move it around the way you see in the film. And we had to learn, we had to create a vocabulary for that. And I did it in the shooting, and then we really worked on it in the editing room a lot. We, we basically cut scenes a number of different ways. We cut it as if um, there was not going to be any split screens, and we just did it very traditionally. And then we did it if the whole scene was split screen. And then we finally, we, um, we started realizing if we just left the whole, every phone conversation as a split screen scene, we were losing a lot of opportunity for dramatic impact, the reaction shots, all the kinds of things that we as audiences have come to rely on as part of the film going vocabulary. And um, so we started doing lots of stuff and uh, finally ended up here. What I realized is by the time we get to that, those two big negotiations in the last act of the film, we were going to actually cut way back on the split screens. That I had to slow things really down. And you can't slow it down when, you're, when both people are on the screen at the same time because they have to be in sync and they're not really there at the same time. So there was lots of very uh, tricky things, but it was great fun to sort of figure it out. But uh, I should also add that although the scenes were shot, obviously not at the same time, uh, Kevin Costner almost always showed up to do his end of the conversation. When he was off screen. Yeah, when he was off screen. Even if it was like an early morning shoot and it was in a car. You know, he would get in, in the follow car and while well, Ivan was directing, and he would be doing it live for, to help the other actors, which was really helpful. And well, we it was very appreciated. Really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering about the actual usage of the NFL teams. Obviously, you couldn't have known come February that the Seahawks were going to be the champions. Um, I'm a diehard Niners fan. I just have to throw that out there. Um, so having the Seahawks are the number one, the Browns, Chiefs, Texans, like, was that just part of the script or personal allegiance? And you're like, I want my team in there. Well, we had to get permission from the teams themselves, even though the NFL agreed. They couldn't push any single team into being in the film if they didn't want to. And um, we, in fact, out of, out of the teams, in fact, the Jets were going to be the, the team, the Tom Michaels team. And um, uh, I think it was written originally as Detroit. Then it was the Jets who had agreed yeah, to do Detroit, it. Yes. The, the, uh, but the Jets were getting more and more nervous, and they wouldn't give us their absolute agreement. And finally sort of said they were pulling out the weekend before the draft, four days before the draft. And we had to know who it was because obviously we had to have Goodell announce it and um, we had to shoot at the right team table for all that action. The Jets were nervous because they had their own quarterback controversy, uh, <laughs> if you know football, and it continued to have some. And they were worried that he, somehow their fans would uh, virtually burn them in effigy. And so, um, <laughs> and somehow confuse what was a fictional story with what was really going on in their in their front offices, so they backed out. And um, I remember Ali Bell and I and Joe were all running around uh, trying to figure out who we could get to substitute. We started calling all the teams. 
Uh, I called up John Nordstrom, who lives here as well, part, part of the year, who's uh, part of uh, you know the sort of football morning breakfast club where we bet on teams. <laughs> That's supposed and to say that. I guess he doesn't bet, though. Um, and he, he used to own the Seattle Seahawks, and I was a big Seattle Seahawks fan, actually, for the last two years. And, uh, just the last two years? Yeah. Some of us have been a little longer than that. I just well, want to be clear about hey, that. I grew up in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and so he, um, I said, well, you think you can help us? And he, uh, it was a Sunday before the Thursday, and he called up the, um, the team president who called me back in a half an hour. And uh, they had agreed by that evening, um, by dinner time that day, they said, we've checked with Paul Allen. Uh, if, if we say yes to you, we want to know that you're not going to change your mind. They were as concerned that we were, because they had heard that we were starting to call other teams. And uh, so we closed it all up. Uh, it was like the movie. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, in Scott and Rajiv's original script, was not the Cleveland Browns, was the Buffalo Bills that was the, uh, the team that we were concentrating on. And we had made a lot of plans to shoot there. And then for budgetary reasons, one of the reasons we got this movie made is uh, it was, in movie terms, very inexpensive. And... Uh, uh, Ohio is one of those states that states that encourage you to shoot there by giving you a lot of money back. So we had to move from upstate New York to Ohio, and of the teams in Ohio, Cleveland, with its history of um, sports uh, and losing, uh, seemed very appropriate. So uh, it moved. But, but Rajiv yeah. is actually from Cleveland. That's we kept true. running into his relatives when we were shooting, <laughs> and. Uh, he hadn't said it in Cleveland originally because it was just too, too heartbreaking <laughs> telling the story of, and, he'd say, and the story of Buffalo is fairly similar, except they didn't have a team lead. But, you know, in terms of the kind of city it is and the problems with the football team. So it was very easy to just say, you know, make a Cleveland and then add the things about the true history of Cleveland and the, and the Cleveland Browns. Yes, sir. Um, Less of a movie question than an NFL question. How, how do they make these last second deals that, you know, three number ones and all that in matters of seconds and no forms, no lawyers? I mean, what, how, how does it work? Well, I asked that very question, and we try to show some of that, some of those mechanics. Uh, what has to happen is both teams who make the trade call it in. You see it happen in the last reel here where there's a... Um, NFL official table, and the people who really do that job are the ones that are in the movie. They take the call, I don't know if you remember, one of them says, we got, a, we got something happening, Jacksonville Browns, and um, they start writing things down. They check, that's why the 10 minute clock doesn't start right then. They have to check that it's, um, that everything is fine on the deal, um, and they're the ones that are the sort of notators of that moment, and then Goodell or somebody from the NFL gets up and announces it to the crowd, the 10-minute clock starts and the deals start to get... But you are correct in your supposition that these deals are made without lawyers um, uh, and basically on a handshake. In fact, just a verbal okay over the phone and then it all gets phoned in. But, but I, and there is this sort of a code of honor that when you make a deal, you stick with the deal. And uh, 
at least so far, we, I, I hadn't heard of any reneges. Uh, well, there can't be a renege because it's, it's um, locked down by the league. When both teams call and they say, we've just traded A, B, and C, and that's what's written down, and that becomes the official record of that deal. When you see two guys, one, one guy's on the phone with one team, the other guy's on the phone with the, the other team, and then they tell each other what was said, and they both have to agree. Uh, and, and as they mentioned in the movie, I was really surprised to hear there have been teams that have not done their, uh, uh, who have missed the countdown. Yeah, the Vikings. And, and, and missed, their, missed their, their choice as a result. All right, so uh, there it is. Now, now you know. Uh, there is, <laughs> there should be lawyers involved, and Tom Pollock, who is a former lawyer, says there should be lawyers involved, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. So... Um, our, our, our heartfelt sympathies, uh, condolences go out to anybody who might be listening that worked with him or knew him and, uh, yeah, uh, celebrate by watching one of the movies that he was involved with. You can watch Ghostbusters. Uh, I think you might like it. You, you might want to watch that movie. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Chris, let's, let's move on to, uh, let's, let's talk about, I don't know, should we talk 2020 stuff? I think if we start talking merch, it will sort of, uh, kind of help lead us into it here. Only if we play the 2020 uh, music. <laughs> While we still can. Mm. All right. For, for old time's sake, here comes our, our uh, Ghostbusters 2020. Good evening. I'm Troy Benjamin. And I'm Chris Stewart. And I'm Troy Benjamin. And this is Ghostbusters 2020. From the Crossrip Studios around the world and into your ears, the news items that may or may not have touched your life. This is Ghostbusters 2020. With Chris Stewart and Troy Benjamin. <laughs> it's funny because we're going to be playing that in 2021 before the movie actually comes I know, out. We're it's gonna, just not going to. We'll change it to the Simpsons thing. <laughs> if 2021. 2020. I have. I've really enjoyed watching NBC uh, still promoting the 2020 Olympics one year later, where they've changed the <laughs> zero to the one O N E. Yes. Uh, it's God. I mean, part of me is like the, the cynic is like, oh, we are living in hell right now. This is the dystopian future that everybody has warned us of. But also, I'm like, that's really clever. Good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the perspective I've been trying to, to wrap my head around is the fact that this is not dystopian anything. This is just the first time that we've had to, as a as a, a globe, had to had to weather anything like any crisis that took longer than a few weeks, right? Yeah. Like the earlier pandemics, uh, two world wars. Like there's a lot of people that most of them, un- unfortunately, kind of passing away now who probably remember this this uh, rigmarole quite well right yeah. like f- yeah. five years of rationing food you know right. like yeah food food rations and bonds and putting everything into uh, the war effort um yeah it, you know places like england it's just like it was a bit more than five years just for the war part and we rationed for years <laughs> afterwards like yeah. it's just <laughs> we had to rebuild a lot stupid americans um yeah <clears throat> but uh, well, so anyway the rebuilding uh, was mostly german stuff but anyways let's let's talk toys germans 
Sorry, I'm a dad. I'm saying, let's talk World War II. Let's talk World War II. Uh, uh, that's all right. Choice. It's when you listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast and you start talking about what World War II documentary he watched, it's it's all right. But Do you want to do, is this merch? Is this toys? Is this toy leaks? It's kind what, what are we of all about? of the above. So okay. here's, I think the lead story that everybody's going to tune in to want to hear us talk about are the... And there are leaks like that's that's kind of the bummer of all of this is like I really hate talking about leaks and things that have been obtained uh, through through nefarious means. Uh, the Nintendo leaks are just a, a moral. I feel like uh, cheaty oh. on the good place right now. Like I I I have a, a huge ethical problem looking into leaks. But at the same time, this is how Nintendo like all of the things from my childhood. This is how they were made. And that also right. fascinates me. So I. I I want to know, but at the same time, I don't want to look because then it encourages the, it's just, it's a huge thing and yeah. I'm getting the cheaty stomach ache right now, uh, thinking about it. So we won't go into it, but it's not quite long enough to, to rationalize it away as historical information. Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. And this is now, so the, the leaks that I'm talking about in, in particular are Hasbro, um, because Hasbro now their uh, their manufacturing, their, their assembly workflow, their pipeline happens in Hong Kong, obviously. So uh, usually that's where we start seeing, um, you know, a packaged product, uh, appear on eBay because for it sneaks out the back door some way, somehow. And that's how, you know, things start appearing uh, online, uh, sooner than their, uh, shelf date. But, um, so we've started seeing l- looks glimpses. Some of them are detailed unboxing videos of, of what's coming, uh, down the pipeline from Hasbro and I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we should talk about it. I feel like we shouldn't talk about it. I don't know what the best way to do this is, Chris, like, uh, because it also, it also leads into the, the discussion, which we're going to have about VOD and, and should the movie be released sooner, uh, to kind of circumnavigate these, these issues. Um, so, so maybe we can kind of give the cliffs notes. And then if, if you want to learn more, you can go seek things out on your own. And we'll, we'll try right. to be sensitive to people who are trying to avoid spoilers or, or any sort of reveals uh, of stuff until it's actually official. But, um, so, so Spangler's, um, Neutrona wand, uh, which is coming in September that we've already pre-ordered. We've seen it. I think that's the one that's, it's, I, I feel a little bit safer talking about. Um, but, uh, somebody in Hong Kong, and I wish I would have written it in the rundown, Chris, I think it's like, Mr. One or one shoot. So he has something in, in something one in his, uh, in his username on Facebook, but he got his hands on one of the wands, uh, in the box and he did an unboxing video, um, and, and shows you all of the details. The amount of functions that this thing has is, is incredibly cool. He compares it to the Maddie thrower because he also had the Maddie, uh, thrower on hand. It looks like he's a fan like us. Um, and, it, it really got me hyped for my pre-order. I feel like that one, that's the leak where I'm like, Oh cool. All right. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, and a lot of people I think saw that and thought the same thing, uh, that, Hey, this, this kind of one ups the Maddie thrower. It kind of, uh, shows what, uh, Hasbro is going to be doing, uh, with the, the role-playing line. And it also shows how they've integrated some of the video game, um, uh, modes into, to the, to the thrower, which is cool. Um, so, so that, that's, that's the easy one to talk about. I feel like that's, that's like, cool. Did, did you see that video yet? I know you've been traveling, so I don't know if that's one that you've seen yet. I didn't, I saw stills. I did not watch the whole video. Yeah. 
Uh, and and you know much like the the Maddie uh, props that came in the crates, you know the uh, the Neutrona wand uh, comes in like a, a like a gun box uh, container, um, you know maybe like one of those uh, army surplus uh, containers that you can pick up for you know f- ten for five bucks at your local uh, surplus store. Um, so it, it, it looks really cool and it's, it's packaged really well. And if, if you want to seek that video out, uh, I know a lot of the fan groups have been retweeting it. I think I even retweeted it from, from Ghostbusters HQ. So, uh, check, check it out. Um, the second leak, which I don't feel too bad talking about was, uh, Tully's terrible night, uh, has started appearing in Hong Kong as well. Again, probably coming off the assembly line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that particular one is is uh, you know we've we've seen shots of the product we've seen we've seen shots of of the box uh, so everybody looks like uh, they're happy with it and uh, so if you if you're ready uh, here comes Tully's terrible night uh, and again check check that out if you want to now the third one which is a little more difficult to talk about and then it leads into the magazines which are even more difficult to talk about. Um, so, so I'm choosing my words carefully. Uh, the Ecto one, which was shown off at the New York toy fair, which we know has the, um, gunner seat that we saw in the trailer. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and we know that it is, uh, a kind of in the scale of their, uh, fright features line, which is the smaller scaled figures that we saw, you know, Peter and Ray and Winston and Egon. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we and, see Egon? And GB max <clears throat> and GB max. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ray does really look like Max. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, and even Max what, saw that and, and was very saw, ecstatic yeah, about it. His his friends in Italy were even going, "It's you." <laughs> they have honored you with your likeness. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's it's in that scale. It's in that smaller, like three three quarter inch scale. Um, and we know that it has uh, you know playability. It's it's a toyetic. It's not like a, a collector's item. It's not like the big Blitzway uh, thing that's going to be super accurate. And and for the collectors, this is for kids to play with. Uh, so we know that it's going to have play features. Um, and it does come with a couple of accessories and a figure. Uh, and I think maybe that's probably where we have to leave it if we want to not delve into spoiler territory. Yeah. Right. I think so. Um, I mean, I mean we can we say have the a... figure that comes with it is Phoebe. Yeah. Um, that, that's not really, uh, that big shouldn't surprise anybody. Yeah. Um, and, and there's also an accessory that comes with it that was already leaked by a hallmark on, on their Ecto one that's been delayed as well. But um, but if it's something that you're waiting to see, if it's something that you don't have any knowledge of, uh, I think it's, it's, it's probably safe if we don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hold off for now. It's, um, boy. And I mean, the, if there's anything to, to, I mean, you, you listen, we're going to get a couple more, uh, pieces of merch and all that into this discussion and it'll, it'll make clear how much havoc and qu- my question is how much more havoc is it going to cause too? just by dint of the fact that there was a lot of people that lined up a lot of stuff a long time ago to aim for July and you can only stop so many, you know, horses before they, uh, leave the stables. Licensors that are not maybe as big as Hasbro or maybe have already put stuff into their manufacturing pipeline three or four months ago that they can't, they literally cannot push the stop. Literally cannot stop. Uh, there's Um, one that's a, a print publication. We know they do their stuff months in advance, like print wise. 
yeah, it was, it was it's just going out. Yeah, so, um, so the, the print publications, um, you may have to help kind of my, my knowledge on this is kind of fuzzy, but it's, it's two magazines that are done by the same publisher and they're those kind of like, yeah, um, like the Star Wars kids magazines that have like the the cello rap, uh, you know, that they include Comes with uh, stuff, stuff, yeah, or, like activities. Uh, we, talked and, a, we talked about last this time last year from FanFest because, um, Europeans were coming over with copies of that Playmobil magazine that right. had the one figure right. in it and all that, right? Uh, uh, England loves them a lot. There's a few North American ones and all that. And these are Australian. Nuclear Media has a whole line of, of magazines they put out. And one is aimed at, uh, squarely at, for very broad gender generalization, uh, boys called Crash. And the other one aimed uh, at girly girls uh, called It Girl. Frankly, seeing the stuff in it, uh, I, 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 I'm not sure why they're, they're, it's like, really? I guess, are we still doing that with kids? So that's okay. the girl? This is the, uh, all right, sure, yeah. Are we, are we still drawing that line? Like, okay, surely uh, there must be girls. And the worst of it is, it's just like, you know, there are girls picking up Crash because it's got, you know, wrestling in it. And, you know, there's some kid out there picking up It Girl because, hey, it comes with, you know, like, stuff. Uh, recommendations on nail polish and yeah, all that. File and, uh, yeah uh, fashion tips and things like that yeah actually um, you know what i put it squarely on it girl because they call it it girl it's like why is it called it girl crash could be for anybody but it girl. <laughs> that's true anyways that's uh, true. <laughs> like my uh uh rudimentary uh undergrad uh women's studies uh stuff aside um yeah i took one women's studies ask me about alice monroe i'll tell you all about her anyways um I did mention I took coffee, right? And I, I, I I'm saying not I drinking coffee. I took coffee, much the same way I say I'm taking. I'm heroin. Intravenously, I, I, I don't think I tell, that's t- safe. I told I'm, you I took I'm heroin. No right? doctor, I'm taking heroin. I'm taking okay. heroin right now. <laughs> got any meth? <laughs> I hear you. Got, I smoke rocks. Um, anyways, the um, the magazines. One crash came out with a bag tag, which for all intents and purposes is, "Hey kids, put it on your backpack," and it's Ghostbusters logo, and it says Ghostbusters Afterlife over and done with. Yeah, no big deal. Handy whatever dandy. whatever no was in the deal. template, the style guide that's handed out from the studio, probably, right? Yeah. I wrote okay. friends in Australia going, please try and find me a couple. I kind of want one. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. I want one on my laptop bag, please. Uh it girl. Uh and again, this is through no fault of their own. These things were were timed out, these agreements were made, things went to print months ago. Uh and 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 people are like, oh, why didn't they just change it? Like, cause, you know, COVID was you know start five months ago. It's like no, because because of these agreements, Sony probably contacted them and said, "Please don't." And they went, uh, "Pay us." Uh, like there's yeah. just up until a couple weeks ago, Australia was doing fine. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and not even doing fine. It just it literally yeah. comes down to it's in the pipe for us to change it just to help you out. Like that's got price tag right. attached to it. So right. you're, are you in? And movie studios kind of weigh it in the balance and go, no. Uh, now this one didn't get spread as much and I actually had to kind of go looking for it and I wish I kind of didn't cause I'm not going to tell you what it is, but yeah, yeah if uh, it's, if it's referencing the movie specifically rather than a cute little flourish they made, yeah, uh, yeah it kind of gave away some stuff. So, so, so that kind of brings up the bigger discussion. <laughs> That I'm kind of mad I, about it, frankly, because well, if I get to this movie and it is what I think it is, I'm like, mm, I wish I didn't know. Yeah, that. and and that's like it's it's so tough now for for everybody that wants to to be as spoiler free and to go into the movie as much as as they can with a clean slate. Um, now, now that the movie 
has been delayed until March, it's going to be even more difficult because things like this are going to sort of, you know, eke out of whatever it may be, the magazine industry, the t-shirt industry. You know, we Mm -hmm. saw Mexico had a couple of shirts that uh, popped up that, again, nothing that that is earth shattering. It's just the the new kind of riveted logo from from Afterlife. But things that they probably already had lined up to come out in July and August. And mm-hmm. to your point, the studio said, "Hey, a movie is not coming out. Can you please not do that?" And they said, "What? No, we're we gotta make our money. We're just putting this out. No problem." Um, yeah. I I know that other studios. This is not centralized to. Ghostbusters, you know, uh, Wonder Woman, look at all of the product tie-in that is on the shelf at the grocery store right now with all of the Wonder Woman stuff because they thought that movie was coming out. Um, so, but, but the bigger discussion that we can kind of segue into here is, uh, with movies like Bill and Ted, uh, coming out on, on VOD and in theaters where it's safe on September 1st, Mm -hmm. um, and Mulan, uh, quite literally the day that we're recording this has been announced to be coming out on Disney plus for 29.99. So these first run movies now do seem to be coming out on, on video on demand, digital, you know, uh, streaming platforms. Um, do we think that there will be a shift from Sony to say, you know what? We said this movie would be coming out in March. Just kidding. It's coming out Halloween of 2020, uh, exclusively on fill in the blank here. Um, do you see that happening? I, I don't, uh, especially since they did. I do. I'm not, I'm not saying absolutely, but yeah, I don't think it's impossible either. I know a couple of people who's a positive. Hello, shout out to Positively Ghostbuster. I need to stop cutting myself off in the middle of senses. God, you're interrupting sucks. yourself. I, I know. I just sit here and let you uh, here host and co-host on your own. You got this. So, <laughs> something you don't know about me, Joe Rogan. I smoke rocks. Um, God, it's um, and it was Positively Ghostbusters pointed out. Yeah, maybe it's going to go to VOD. This is in the, we have to point out, this is in the wake of, A, Mulan. Disney went, nope, going to Disney Plus. We got the platform, we're going to do it. At which point somebody then faked it up and went, hi, we're, <laughs> you know, imagine uh, Rick from Rick and Morty. It's like, so, hi, I'm Disney too. Burp. <laughs> yeah, we're putting Black Widow out. And everybody went, oh my God. And then, yeah. ah, just kidding, I'm a fake site. And everybody went, oh, crap. Uh, that's kind of what kicked off a lot of this thinking. And the thing is, is the black widow thing aside, um, yeah, here, here's my thing. Initially I can, I see, I I can stand on your side and I understand like from where they're at, they're like, we kind of have a sweet spot. Nobody's rushing to make stuff because they don't know where it's going to land necessarily, which means we're sitting in March, you know, whatever, March 5th or 15th. I can't remember. Uh, March 5th. It's that first week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're sitting there at that, at that weekend going, it's us, right? Like yeah. at the same time, they're all going, but we all kind of thought theaters might be open by now and they're not. Yeah. And whatever. And you know, nobody knows how, when this, that, let's put it this way. Somebody pointed out, uh, if you want to know, uh, how to plan for the pandemic, look at the giant companies because you know, they have a lot to protect. Yeah. And so they're being very careful. And so they talk, they pointed out Google. They're like, everybody can work from home until next summer if they want. Like they just, 
it's like, oh my God, these like there's a lot of long gaming going on here. And that's just for things like coming into an office where Google can afford to have people, you know, wipe down everything behind you as you walk through it sort yeah. of thing. Theaters are a, they got a lot to worry about. They they may or may not be able to handle it. They people may or may not show if they turn it if they open it up. Like so the flip side for me is on the one hand, they may go, we're solid. It's, it's going to be a, like Jason's got all the time in the world to tweak it and fine tune it, dot everything. Marketing's not going to be a problem. Like we can build buzz anywhere. And then it's going to go into theaters. And the question mark is, how does an f- opening weekend work when people have yeah. to sit with two seats between them? Do you, you know what I mean? Like how do you pack You're a theater? Only, you know, filling 25% of your capacity in each theater right? or whatever it ends up being 35%. And let's, yeah. let's, we don't know the budget on this, so we don't know what the stakes are, but presumably yeah. they got to land a good chunk of money. So here's the thing. So you go to, because um, we talked about this a while back, uh, Trolls World Tour. Uh, I, the old articles are like breaks digital records. It's like it kind of set a new one because frankly it was, it was it was a safe place to go. the 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 pandemic was yeah. super early, super scary. There was no humming and hawing about putting this into uh, theaters. Uh, and it was a family movie, right? Like it wasn't the broad movie going audience. It was family and kids, and family and kids do a lot of digital downloading purchases at home, anyways. And it blew it out like it made more than the first one did <laughs> like it was hmm. and it really sh- it really by all definition should have maybe matched it and they pointed out like i think it was like the opening weekend was not the opening weekend but like the the whatever the end of the run is I'm, i was trying to find the numbers when we started this discussion here it's, it's still bringing in money like it technically yeah. hasn't left the theater because there's no theater it's still they, in that that premium whatever premium vod or whatever they're calling it yeah. it's 30 bucks uh, to view yeah and yeah. it's the old it's this old it's the money is not being calculated the same way as a theater where it's like opening weekend uh we get it all uh and then as the weekends go by we split it more and more with the theaters and all that it's like no it's going out through apple and whatever we've struck a deal with apple that they're going to wander off with 20 percent, and the rest 80 percent comes yeah. to us just free and clear so we don't know we can't see these spreadsheets and they're not talking about it necessarily but I'm kind of interested to see what happens when a Bill and Ted comes out. How well is Bill? Because Bill and Ted is, it's great. It's a bit niche. Um, it's but niche they have, and it, it doesn't need a theatrical run. Like that's a lot of people are like, well, Bill and Ted's coming out. That means Ghostbusters is coming out. And it's like, well, not necessarily. There's not a, as much writing on Bill and Ted face the music right now. Then uh, it's, it's like, it's comparing, it's like comparing Hamilton to uh, to uh, Greyhound. Uh, it's yep. they're they're two very different circumstances, um, and they're looking at these in very different ways. Like, yeah, Bill and Ted could be that boilerplate. I would imagine Mulan is probably going to be the Mulan's bigger. Mulan's going to go along with like, yes, here's exactly. Your epic A tentpole title um, that does have the hype and has the budget, and um, they, these are all going to drop data into the into the the. the the think tanks as they try to sort it out. And one of the things that hasn't been answered yet is like, if they look at it and go, even if we assume that theaters open up in March, that is still looking more and more like it is not far enough removed from everything that we're going to let people just pack in. What's that going to mean in terms of box office? And then the question becomes, and what happens if 
and somebody pointed out Halloween's perfect. And we've always talked about this. The reason why Ghostbusters doesn't put out more stuff around October is a little hard to, to fathom, but you know, it's timing and business and all that. It, I think a lot of people are kind of, no decisions have been made, but the question has probably been posited. How well will we do if we let it go out at a good spot, like a, a thematically, like, hey, kids, trick-or-treating's kind of uh, you're like stuck locked inside. in this year? Yeah. Give us 30 bucks. You can watch the new Ghostbusters with your family and friends, or your family, I guess, technically, and friends in your social bubble. Sorry, we have to talk about these things now, right? Um, and then, how much more money do we make if in March theaters are open and all the people that say, I want to see it in theater. And how much can we bank on those people going, I like seeing it in theaters, are actually going to go, but I'll get it when it comes out in October. And then in March, then I'm going to go see it, it again. Yeah. And how much money does that add up to? And that's not being cynical, but studios and franchises live and die on how much yeah. money they make, right? And there's an equation that nobody knows how to like do the math on yet. So I'm kind of curious if... You know what? We're just going to have to watch and see how it goes. It turns out you can make these announcements and drop stuff real quick. Yeah, you can, as long as the content <clears throat> is finished. Like, that's the other thing is yep. now, I, I, you know, the, the fan in me would love for this to just be a surprise drop in uh, Halloween or even sooner yep. than Halloween. Like, yes, please, I will take anything to have a date to circle on the calendar right now to look forward to, please. Yeah. Um, but... But knowing that, you know, if, if I'm a filmmaker and I am at a dead sprint trying to finish to make this this July uh, release date, um, yeah. and then I'm told, hey, you have until March, oh, fantastic. This one sequence that's just been giving me so much trouble, I can focus on that. I can work on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what? The marketing, that poster just wasn't quite right. And now that we have the time and if we have mm -hmm. the money and the budget, let's rework that poster. Like, I have a feeling that there was there were several stages of like um, if you're, if you're Jason Reitman and you're Ivan Reitman, if you're anybody at ghost core and you go, Oh man, our date got pushed. You know, we were at, we were just firing on all cylinders. We were so close. We had the finish line in sight. That stinks. And then five minutes later they said, Oh, this is great. Nobody ever has this opportunity. I think Jason uh, yeah. Reitman on that that live stream even said, like, I'm I'm presented with an opportunity of of time, which is never something a filmmaker yeah. has. Um, so I I I have reason to believe that they probably are still even working on stuff uh, to this day, even if it's small, yeah. if it's one shot, if it's one thing, um, which probably precludes them from just like, hey, it's coming out on Thursday. You know, they can't yeah. just drop it when they feel like it. Well, here's um, the other thing. Budget wise, you can't let you can't let production just go on forever. So between no, when the movie no. was supposed to come out, Halloween is three and a half months. And I know there's people listening, Ryan, who knows how much <laughs> stuff can get done in three and a half months, right? Let's put it this way. Wasn't like Sonic the Hedgehog overhauled like like top to bottom well, in like a yeah, at four great, month period at or something cost. like that. Um, great cost, at great cost, but the monetarily and uh, humanitarily. Yes. And um, then there's the thing, like so tweaking is one thing, but how much do you, sp how much money do you spend chasing the last five percent, and will you get it back in the end? Right. But I think I, that, especially right now, I don't think that they're they're probably burning that much 
in terms no. of budget because I bet a lot of the people that were working are had completed their work, so they're probably employing yep. you know a, a freelance artist or two here or there, or it's you know, not the one full of production. the overseas no, of VFX companies that you know uh, can still operate. New Zealand is still operating at a hundred percent, so maybe they farmed out a few visual effects shots to New Zealand. Yes, but let me let me let me <laughs> throw cold water on <laughs> throw cold water on this again here. Yeah, even no matter how small the team is, it's money out. But it's not money out in in a normal marketplace. Like, right, right. If you don't know how the money's coming back in, like it's one thing to go, oh, we got extra time, and when we put the movie out, it's just like it. You know, the movie industry was a year ago. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So again, I'm pretty sure people are being well fairly uh, careful about. And it, so here's here's kind of the other uh, counterpoint that I'll I'll just I'll throw out there and then maybe we can kind of sure. point counterpoint it and but then we fight for it. What because what the the magazines that we talked about earlier I think are yeah. kind of indicative of the sh- the kind of the the shell game that they're playing right now trying to push everything into uh, January February March April even summer of next year mm-hmm. they had all of the stuff that was built upon a release date in July that back in. God, when did the date get moved? March? It was like end of March, I want to say. Yeah, basically when everything went. years yep. ago. Yep. Um, so, so when that happened, they immediately started shuffling things. They told Hasbro, hey, slow your shipping down. We don't want these to come out until... Uh, after uh, holiday uh, 2020 now. Um, hey, uh, General Mills, you're uh, developing that serial. Uh, put a pause on that. We don't think we're going to do that anymore. Like the, all of the things that kind of surround these tentpole releases, and that's not even to mention like the marketing and the print ads and all of the stuff that they were going to be doing, uh, ad buys for the Super Bowl uh, now, you know, like, like, hey, if we don't pay for whatever we were going to pay for in uh, April, uh, we can buy a Super Bowl ad for this movie now. Oh, hey, okay, let's think about that. So I think they're kind of having to rethink the entire strategy of the film, mm-hmm. um, which they probably have already started doing, and they've probably already gotten so far down the road that to to stop down and restart that again, they're going to be spending now a, th- a third times uh, uh, whatever that marketing budget, whatever that, you know, it's, it's like all the work that they've already done. They're going to have to do a third time now. Um, I, and I just, I don't, I yep. don't see them doing that again. The fan in me thinks that the easy solve, like if I push the easy button, it's like, yeah, Ghostbusters afterlife uh, releases VOD in October. And if I pay fifty nine ninety nine, it also comes with a voucher for two people to go to the movie theater when the movie finally does release in theaters at some point TBD in 2021, like th- sold. Like if they, if they yeah. presented that to me I, in a heartbeat, um, but you know, the other part of me is like, I want this to be a big event. I want this to be going to the theater and buying mm-hmm. the soundtrack and going and buying my Slurpee at Seven Eleven and 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 making it the big event that I want this to be. Which it won't necessarily be if it's just a VOD uh, event. And and that's not to say like Bill and Ted. I have September first on my calendar right now. I I've th- they've got my thirty bucks. Like I am yep. so ready for that film. Um, but that's not necessarily when I had the same expectations and all of the, the, the things that this was going to be a big tentpole event around. It was like Bill and Ted is niche and it's a third movie in the franchise that's from the eighties and features. Oh wait, no, that's actually, they're very similar now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway, um, yeah, it, 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 
to me, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to, to stand your ground for March. Um, and then inevitably when we get into December and January here and it doesn't look like things are making a turn, mm-hmm. um, maybe then that's when they decide. Yeah. Uh, I was look, about let's... to say, I said at the beginning of this, I am not saying it's a for sure. This We have to get to a few more months in before March kind of resolves yeah. in terms of what society is like and at at that point, and yeah. it's too far out right now. Um, but they're also posed, like you said earlier, uh, because right now production, at least in L.A., is operating at 30%, and it's only commercials and TV, big mm-hmm. films kind of aren't really shooting here. Elsewhere they are. You know, I know Jurassic Park is back to work, and, and a few others are, but uh, they also now have the advantage of when things do open up, they're one of the only movies that's ready to go. Like when we can finally go back to movie theaters, there's going to be a lot of theaters going, okay, movie studios, give me what you got. And they're all going to go, well, I don't know. We released all of our yeah. stuff on crackle in October. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like I said, there's a very <laughs> strong argument for if theaters aren't a, a complete mess still in March, Ghostbusters is, no matter what it is, is going to be king of the heap, whatever being king of the heap of means in that circumstance, because yeah, yeah, what is there to go see sort of thing? I don't know. I I really don't. I I have no idea. And, and again, it's, it's tough to put my fan hat and my business hat on at the same time, because the fan hat, I want to see this movie. I have been desperate to see this movie like everybody else has. And, and I, I understand when I look on, on Twitter and somebody says, just release it on VOD, just put it on digital. And, uh, you know, I, I get that. I am so excited to see this right here yeah. and right now. Um, I really, but, besides the societal thing, Mulan is really going to tell the tale because yeah. here's the thing. This is the thing that came up with Mulan and all that. A lot of people started going, uh, you know, 30 bucks is ridiculous. It only costs me 12 to go see it by myself. And it's like, well, then that's you as a single ticket movie goer. Yeah. 30 bucks to a couple, that's about on par. Yeah. And guess what? It's a rental, meaning if you really liked it, you could watch it again tomorrow. Uh, if you're a family of like three and up, holy cow, is that a hell of a bargain? Yeah. Well, and not only that, they're saying I, you, you pay the 30 bucks and you have it for the entire duration of your Disney Plus subscription. So as long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you get Mulan. Right. I'm uh, going by the Trolls World Tour thing, which was you got 48 hours. You can and watch I think it. Bill, yeah. and, Bill and Ted's the same thing. Mulan, yeah. it's like you're a Disney Plus person. Great. It's yours. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like I like I there's too many variables for us to like say for sure, and that's kind of why I guess we're just kind of talking about it broadly. But again, imagine as a Ghostbusters fan if if you were told, "Here, you can rent it for 30 bucks and you can rewatch that thing as many yeah. times as your little heart desires for 48 hours," right? Like well, or, or it also it may actually take us back to strangely enough like this weird future that we're in might take us back to a, a time where uh, one movie could dominate an entire month or two months or three months uh, yeah. where, you know, uh, Hamilton drops on Disney plus everybody's talking about Hamilton. Hey, have you watched Hamilton yet? We had a Hamilton night last night. Uh, you know, yeah. that 
it becomes an event and then it has legs where it moves beyond just having a, a an opening box office weekend and then it yeah. comes out on video. Now it's like, hey, have you guys watched Hamilton yet? Oh no, I really need to do that. So five weeks later, somebody is subscribing to Disney Plus or they're paying their $30 to see Mulan. And it, it becomes yeah. kind of what it used to be where uh, a movie can get word of mouth. It can be in theaters for a long time instead of theaters. Now it's yeah. on this VOD platform where, um, you know, Bill and Ted comes out on September 1st. How many people are going to watch it on September 1st? Probably just a small amount of us, but then the word of mouth is going to carry. And in October, it's still going to be making, you know, that, that amount of, mm-hmm. of income for them. So Maybe you're right. Maybe this also does kind of give them some metrics where, you know, the the finance people at Sony can look and say, well, you know what? Mulan didn't do so well when it first was released for those first two or three weeks. But look, it sustains like the drop off is very minimal. It's yeah. it's like a constant source of income right now. Maybe this does have a future. Maybe we should look into what, this. What, what if, for example, the circumstances fall into place and somebody goes, put it out as, you know, push for Halloween. And it goes at like, we're going to, we're going to hype it as a Halloween movie. Here comes video on demand. It goes into theaters in March and then we will, you know, let that ride for as long as it works out to Halloween the next year. We put it back into theaters again. Maybe we do a little extra yud video and two weeks later, the home video comes out. Like there's just, it's all open to what do you want to try? Like, yeah, it, it kind of, I mean. To me, I'm I'm at the point where we have so much awesome content to watch that it's becoming like it's disposable. Like, okay, this weekend I'm going to watch uh, Clone Wars. Uh, next weekend I've got this coming out. And yeah. the weekend after that I got to go see this movie. It does seem like it will slow things down a little bit where we can actually yep. kind of take in a movie and enjoy it. And um, I, I, I'm all for that. I mean, I, it stinks the circumstances that this is happening under, but it, it might kind of give us a little bit of pause and say like, this is not sustainable. Like just, uh, the movie event of the, the year coming out every single weekend is not working. What if we figure some other things out? And it also is giving an opportunity for the smaller movies now to, uh, to shine, you know, uh, the, yeah. the smaller comedies, the, the Adam Sandler, happy Gilmore's of the world, uh, can now thrive once again, because they have a platform. We're all at home and we're stuck to watch these, uh, yeah. uh, uh, streaming platforms. Um, now they can say, well, we can spend two, $3 million on a, on a romantic comedy and more people are going to watch it than would go into the theaters. Um, so it's on one hand, it's terrifying because, uh, production is the lifeblood of, of everything <laughs> yeah. that we do here. Um, and for so many industries, uh, visual effects and editorial and post-production and marketing and, uh, the theater groups and, uh, the, the people who, who concession the, the theaters, uh, the home video companies, the stores that sell the home video companies, the rental, like it trickles down so much that it's kind of terrifying that like nothing is shooting, right now aside from a handful of films but um i think it will kind of force people to take a, a few steps back and reassess things and figure out a, a new new mode of thinking but uh that's that way off topic why did i start talking about that what the hell am i saying we're let's put a pin in it and yeah. let's see where are we at we're at the start of august oh, let's recheck in mid-september 
I'm gonna Milano call it, I'm gonna call it right now. Bottom line, I will say podcast bet. There's at least gonna be a trailer or something in in October. Like the, that. Now that we haven't seen a trailer or a film yep. clip or something, there will definitely be something. Uh, but I don't I don't know. Is it the movie? Is it a trailer? Is it a behind the scenes clip? I don't know. Maybe it's Maybelline. Anyway, it's Maybelline. <laughs> Maybe we're born with it. Maybe we're born with it. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage you guys because I know this is, has sort of sparked some debate and there's been some, it's, uh, a, a lot of testy and, and short fused people out there right now. So be kind, but, uh, hit the voicemail up. I want to hear what you guys think. I know that a lot of us want to see this movie as soon as, as soon as possible. Um, you know, what are your thoughts as to what they'll do? What are your thoughts as to what you want them to do? Um, I think a, a few more voices in this conversation would, would really help us. So uh, hit, hit the voicemail and let us know. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Mr. Stewart, uh, quick, quick, rapid fire things that I realized that we missed before we transitioned uh, mm. into the closing thoughts here. Uh, Weta Workshops has their uh, figures uh, that just they just recently. They're yeah, they're awesome. We saw those at Toy Fair. We knew those were coming, but those are, are really cool. Check those out. Um, Lego Legacy uh, Heroes Unboxed. Uh, we did not talk about that, but that's probably okay because I still haven't played it. <laughs> uh, speaking of making money, oh boy, you got thirty days to grab all the guys, um, and it's a it's a bit of a grind. Or hey, every once in a while you reach a level and they go, "Did you just want to buy Ray?" Dude, yeah, okay. How much? And they're spend? like forty bucks. I'm like, oh, no, boy. Yeah, yeah so that's far, kind of my worry is that I'm not going to be able to play enough in order to even get to this point. But yeah, yeah, I made the mistake. I was like, "Oh, I'll get Peter, and that'll help you know me grind down to." It's like you, they put work into it, sure, and it's it yeah. was pricey. It was like here's forty bucks, and then you find out they're like you keep grinding, but they're like, and we're throwing more Peter uh, tabs at you, and I'm like, can I make more than one Peter? Like I don't. How does this work? Huh? What? So uh, I, I yeah. may not have all the guys by the time the month is up, but worst comes to worst, maybe I'll just have an army of Peter Venkmans. I don't know. <laughs> God help us with an army of Venkmans. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe we can talk about that some more down the line. Sure. Um, and then I, I just really wanted to quick talk about our shop uh, because we have something uh, cool brewing for the uh, Crossrip shop uh, that's releasing next week. Uh, mm -hmm. We worked with uh, Derek Wetter, uh, who's got an awesome design. Uh, check out, I think it's Wetter and Company on uh, Instagram. Uh, he's been doing some really cool, like, um, 
minimalist uh, infographics. I don't know what the best, it's just sort of like a title treatment for uh, films like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and the B is built out of the phone booth and things like that. Um, he's, he's really awesome and he helped us out with something. So um, get ready for that in the shop. And uh, yeah, check, we're, we're adding stuff to the shop pretty frequently now at this point even uh you know my wife is opening up her own etsy shop and she wanted to test out a, a print on demand company and she's like what if i print this cool uh this this art that I, I have a friend who did and i was like oh yeah that's a great idea and she made a couple of bags that we put into the shop so um you know little little things here and there and and uh big mass produced things uh, are on the horizon too so uh check check out our shop uh, ghostbustershq.net slash shop and then that leads you into the etsy store from there but uh yeah that's that's all i got uh, what, what do you got in terms of uh, final thoughts this week chris nothing how you doing i realized in my coffee fueled uh madness at the beginning i really didn't stop and see how you were doing I <laughs> like, birds am... weather uh colors <laughs> <laughs> let's get on with the show and then halfway through the show i'm like the part of my brain that you know pretends Tries to keep the rest of me being human. You should probably ask Troy how he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm putting on a face. I'm good. Everything's fine. <laughs> things are great. Uh, no, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine, man. It's, it's, uh, I think everybody out there is kind of taking things one day at a time, and that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, yeah. I dig the, um, I dig the Slimer bags actually. That's, uh, I don't, are they gone? Are they, uh, as of right now, we're recording, they went up today and they're still there, but, uh, Oh, come on. I'm going to have to push that again because they're pretty, pretty darn. One of those weird things about Etsy is like, uh, there's only two of them, uh, but 12 people have it in their cart right now. So (laughs) I don't know. So hurry up. I don't know. Be the first to click. Okay. I was going to say what happens to the other 10 if those two anyway. But um, yeah, they're they're cool, and we only made two because we only we printed a yard of the fabric just to kind of see what you know the fabric looked like. But um, yeah, it was a test. Yeah, and it looks good. Nerdy test uh, successful. Um, so it stinks that uh, it's it's a perfect bag for summer reading, and uh, we're all inside. You don't really need to carry your summer reading that far, now do you? Unless you're going to the park and staying socially distant and being safe. But meh, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think everybody out there is like, we start our calls with how you doing? And the answer is like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't got much. Uh, To be honest, most of my thinking has been devoted to the stuff we covered in the episode, frankly. Um, that's quite all right. It's just, it's just. Yeah, uh, especially since everything is is revolves around being home and you know watching some stuff and. Well, yeah. I, will, I will say that you made three people's day uh, last week when you announced the winners of the uh, mystery boxes. Yes, uh, based based upon their social media reactions, uh, it was it was very very cool to see the reaction to people who were like, "I won, I won, I won." Uh, uh, they don't know I, what they won because no. it's a mystery box, but uh, that's right. Yeah. Some of it's even a mystery to me, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'll get those in the, the mailbox there pretty darn soon. Yeah. Um, um, well, so before we sign off here, just some, uh, housekeeping notes next week. I think we're probably going to be doing a building episode. I don't know about you, but I've uh, been wanting to overdue. dig into my, uh, Eagle Moss, uh, Ecto one kit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, a few other, uh, fun surprises down the road. So, um, 
yeah uh, we got we've got stuff coming even though it kind of seems like it's slow uh we were we're slowly churning away at a few things so (laughs) well well last week we were like things are kind of slow and then a week later it's like we got a lot to talk about (laughs) it's just the way it goes just kind of the way it is yeah i was like let's just take a week off and you're like no we will persevere and uh yeah you you put together that episode uh very very fine episode i I don't understand the ernie hudson thing i need to look into that again oh uh that uh cliff so cliff in french i must uh there was there was a contest where they were they were playing clips uh so william atherton ernie hudson and slavitsky was oh that oh and they were playing clips of their movies and having them guess what movie it was (laughs) that okay now it all makes sense i guys brain only operating it half efficiency yes. yeah uh the east coast uh members of various ghostbusters franchises were like scowling at me <laughs> remotely <laughs> for making them scream at their uh mm-hmm. their uh podcast player of choice yeah. because uh they know what it is um but uh, ernie it, hudson not strong on french maybe but no uh, no uh but everybody else that listened uh to, to they let knew. ernie know his mistake from 20 years ago <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was, um, it was fun to kind of, I didn't listen to it all the way through again, but it kind of brought back some memories because that was uh, not the earliest days of proton charging, but that was the earliest days of proton charging when it kind of went autonomous, right? Like I got the domain and different 99 was a different time. That, uh, that's what my thinking was like being nostalgic about like, man, that DVD was such a monumental event and it was. Ninety-nine. It, it, it like we didn't have a whole lot of behind-the-scenes information unless you were lucky enough to have that Criterion uh, laser disc or making Ghostbusters. Like yeah. it wasn't readily available, so that that DVD was a, a big thing. And um, it it still is because you know that uh, the MST3K style um, commentary track thing. Uh, I kind of kind of worried too. I kind of. I'm wondering if technology, like the disc playing technology, may still keep playing the discs, but some of the underlying... But not that overlay. May kind of not age well. Because, for example... Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I realize now, uh, yeah, as time goes on, things... You can't anticipate everything. Fifth Uh, Fifth Element didn't know that, you know, the world was going to go widescreen and, you know, 16 by 9. So everything (laughs) they had was 4 by (laughs) 3. A little weird for a flying yeah, well, car future, but you, you watch uh, Star Trek and they go from their CRTs to flat screens pretty fast too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it's well. fine. But um, yeah, I, I would be cool to kind of um, somehow preserve that because even on the Blu-ray discs, they because it was such a kind of it was um, it was an ingenious way to use the subtitle uh, track in a DVD, uh, and they haven't quite figured out a way to replicate that in Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, as far as I understand it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be reinvented. It just somebody has to do the software, yeah, uh, and redo it again. Probably, like um, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, DVDs the the subtitles were actually little bitmap images, whereas on Blu-rays, I I don't think that's the case. I think they're literally digital information. Yeah, there is. There, Blu-ray has like sep- separate tracks. There's a subtitle track, and then there's the uh, you know Blu-ray graphics track, which is very limited. And I learned that the hard way. In my, yeah. So uh, days of- they they in theory still have all the original stuff, or somebody that's smart could software it up to just parse the DVD one over to whatever um, 
Blu-ray might need, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's one-to-one video capture at this point. <laughs> it's like, well, that's yeah, true. Why not? Well, yeah, with all that space, why the hell not? Yeah. Right. So, anyways. Um, but uh, yeah, so so yeah, thanks for doing that, man. That was cool. Um, yeah. But uh, all right, well, so uh, until next week, uh, yes, please hit up the voicemail. We want to hear what you guys think about the VOD uh, debate, and uh, yeah, but watch watch a movie by Tom Pollock. You you will not be. Uh, uh, it, you will not be alone. I have a, a, lot, a feeling that a lot of people are revisiting his catalog, a, either knowingly a, or unknowingly. Unknowingly. Uh, well, it's a good yeah. excuse to go watch Evolution because I think that was his second one out the gate. Yeah, yeah. In a special place and, in the heart uh, of old Ghostbusters school. fans. Old school is exactly. like, I think number number one. But um, all right, anybody uh, out there uh, still listening uh, to on our own for the fifteenth time? <laughs> closing, closing thoughts. We'll see you on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Next week, though, Hairless Cats. Apologies to Adam Sloman for triggering his Android. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>